Since 1925, Bowen Lodge has built its reputation as a world-class resort for walleye fishermen visiting northern Minnesota, as well as a premier vacation destination for families seeking the Northwoods experience. Bowen has been owned and operated by the High family for over 40 years and across three generations. Families continue to make Bowen Lodge their home away from home. Traditions have been forged around the campfire, at the beach, on a sunset pontoon ride, or around the cabin. Bowen's five-star location within the Chippewa National Forest allows guests to escape the noise of everyday life, literally and figuratively. Enjoy comfortable cabins overlooking Lake Winnebagashish, plus a marina that benefits from the calm, protected waters of Cutfoot Sioux Lake. Amenities like fiber internet, AC, and fully equipped kitchens also allow guests to enjoy peace at the lake with the same conveniences of home. The resort is situated at the end of the road in the middle of the woods, giving guests a true experience in the wild north. It's where eagles soar above your cabin and the call of the loons echoes over the lake. At Bowen Lodge, you become family. Start your journey at bowenlodge.com. Welcome back to Worst Season House with Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta. Thanks, for everybody, for coming on out on this beautiful Monday night with the Vikings playing uh, here at Split Rocks. Thanks to Grain Belt for having us out and doing the special. Thanks for Hannah for coming out and doing the wild tickets, drawing our next live show November 1st at Elsie's. November 1st is at Elsie's. Uh, we're doing a little flip. Uh, we were doing it at Tuttle's. We're now doing it at Elsie's. So definitely November 1st, 7 p.m., Elsie's November 21st now at 7 p.m. will be the next time we're at Tuttle's and we can't wait for that. We haven't been out there for a little bit. So uh, thanks for everybody for joining us here at the Aquarius Home Service Studio on location here at Split Rocks. Or uh, actually check out our social media. We'll have uh, uh, specials from Grain Belt as well. Uh, uh, wild tickets if you get there early as well. Wild tickets? No? All right, maybe wild maybe tickets. Maybe wild tickets. Brandon, you could chop this out. Now Brandon's got some editing to do. Um, so, again, 7 p.m. November 1st over at, uh, at Tuttle's. And, again, we all have Grain Belt uh, um, specials as well. So definitely take a look at our social media. Um, awesome night here on a Monday night in Minnesota. So really appreciate people coming out to Split Rocks, Anthony. Uh, choppy start to the wild season, though. Two and, two, two and one. Um, I mean, frankly, they're just they're really just convoluted performances. They haven't really gotten going from their top guys. Um, their blue line gave up 91, not their blue line, their defense gave up the 91 defense, shot yeah. attempts the other night, uh, which I think is the most in the NHL since 2014. It, and it's not a, been good. A, a team that had played the night before, although that is the most talented Columbus team Big that time. I've ever seen. Yeah. They have the most talent they've ever had. They're still not the best team in the NHL, and Minnesota's game's been off. There's no question about it. The injuries, though, are a huge part of it, and as we've talked a little bit over these last few games, they're playing $32 million under the salary cap right now when you combine the buyouts with the guys that are injured and out of the lineup, and that's tough. You're fielding a roster of $52 million each night compared to teams that are playing with 82. I mean, there's a difference, and... That's been a challenge for them. They really miss 
Jared Spurgeon on the blue line because of what it does to all of the defensive pairings. Jake Middleton's game hasn't been as good when he's not playing with Spurgeon. Faber and Brodeen were so good together, they had to be split up. Dakota Mermis has been fine, but when you consider that he's in instead of Jared Spurgeon, there's just no comparison. Right. Um, now John Merrill's banged up. I don't think John's been overly great either. Uh, they're bringing up Damon Hunt. If John, if, if John can't play against the Edmonton Oilers, Damon Hunt will make his NHL debut. And this gets back to something I talked about uh, last week. You know, I was a little surprised that going into the offseason, they didn't have another veteran defenseman down in Iowa because knowing that if they had multiple injuries, um, that they only had the one $775,000 defenseman in Dakota, but then nobody after that. And they want to cook these these young defensemen down there, and now you bring them all up. Yeah, but, but, uh, but you had to have three guys go down in order to do that. They had three guys go down, Spurgeon, Goligoski, and now Merrill. It, would take, right. it took three injuries to mean that this whoever this next guy would have been right. would have ever been in there. So I don't have any problem with... Having uh, to me, it's a salary force. issue. It's a salary issue, right? But it, I mean, they, they could have had another. They 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 set themselves up with Kara and Lucini and and obviously Patan's down there and Laterry and they had multiple seven hundred seventy five thousand dollar forwards. Forward. And I just mean that if you but had you another have, blue line back there, but you had to have three injuries to create this, right? And with the forwards, they've got enough to withstand three, right? And with the defensemen, they could withstand two and maybe a third for short term, but not long term. And right. And I, I just think they also thought Damon Hunt was close. And we'll find out. He might have to they were gonna for sure have to bring a defenseman on this road trip anyway, because and they have the room to do it with Goligoski going on to L T I R that they could add two players. One's Letary, one is a defenseman. They were gonna have to bring one anyway with the back to back games and three and four nights to make sure you had an insurance policy. And I'm anxious to see Hunt. We've talked so much about this group of young defensemen, and it's usually the three guys that you're talking about, and Lambos, O'Rourke, and, and then Hunt. It's time to find out just how close they are. And I thought Hunt looked the closest in training camp among the three, but these are guys that for about three or four years now we've been saying this is the future of the wild blue line. Well, let's find out. Well, I mean, you know, he had a, a, a decent first week, and then he, then he uh, got rocked in, in Colorado, and we didn't see him the rest of camp. But, uh, and he's gotten off to a slow start in Iowa. But, but uh, as I just said, they have no choice. He's, he's next in line based on how well he played last year. Um, but it's just interesting if he winds up playing his NHL debut probably a lot sooner than they anticipated. I think they expected these guys to maybe get some games later in the season, not, not four games into Iowa's season. Um, Matt Boldy is uh, potentially going on this trip, Dean indicated today. Um, they have no practices on this trip, so they'll, they'll skate them in Philadelphia at the morning skate. Washington, I assume they're not going to have a skate, but the goalies will take shots, whoever starts that night. So Boldy will be on the ice there. They have a day off in New Jersey. And then um, could we see him uh, maybe return against the Devils? Two morning skates might be tough, uh, but, you know, he's had some magic before in New Jersey. He has, and I think those guys, the the benefit to both of their injuries is their upper body injuries, so they've been able to maintain their stamina through skating and right. bikes and whatever. It isn't like they've a lower body where you'd have to stay yeah. off the ice. So I, I think either one of those guys, I think both Spurge and Boldy are are closer than they yep. might otherwise be. Yeah, and Boldy and Spurge have the same type of injury. Boldy's was a lot less severe. In fact, he was... 
pretty much feeling pretty good right away. Uh, they've just let this thing settle down. The Spurgeon one was a lot more serious, but but uh, he is getting closer um, to to returning, which will be, as you mentioned, much needed, um, especially for Jake Middleton. I mean, you know, I, I think, like, look, J- Jake is so complimentary of Brock Faber, and Brock has been really obviously very, very good. Um, so it's not like Jake can't play with Brock Faber, but there's just that that security blanket in having Spurgeon, and for some reason it works, and I just think that, for his sake, um, you know, it just mentally to have Spurgeon back on his right would be just huge for him and the team. Yeah, and one of the things they were really hoping to do in camp was to build chemistry with Faber and Brodeen. And so those guys skated together all camp. And you are talking about a guy who's 10 games into his NHL career, and all of a sudden he's playing with a different guy. So I'm sure there's some awkwardness there from Faber to Middleton as well as from Middleton to Faber. And Middleton became very comfortable with Spurgeon over the last year plus. They just miss him. It's it's affected all three defensive pairings to have Jared Spurgeon yeah. out. And it's one of the things they've been able to avoid with the forwards is they've been able to keep the other lines intact. They first tried it by just plugging Sammy Walker in there. And, you know, who knows, when Maroon slid up to play on that second line, they, they had a good night. So they'll likely start that way against the Oilers, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see Vinny Letary up there at some point in the, in the very near future. Yeah, it would not surprise me either, um, or even elevating a, a Freddie Goudreau, who has been unbelievably quiet to start the season. Quiet, um, but that line's been really good. Yeah. They were, I didn't think they were great against yeah. Columbus, but the yeah. first four games, they were as good as any line Minnesota yeah. had. They didn't give anything up. They created a ton of t- chances. They had the puck in the offensive zone. They mm-hmm. didn't cash in. But they were a line on whom you could depend yeah. for sure. And, and I that's why he's not that's changing, why he's not changing yeah. it. And but they've only been on the ice for one goal for all season. And it'd be nice if, like, if Felino and, and, and I think that Rossi would have a lot more points right now if Felino and, and Goudreau would finish out. Goudreau's not get, even getting shots right now. He's so he, he's not. Um, the fourth line has been interesting. You know, analytically, Duhame hasn't been great, but that line has also spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. And um, the, the line that I think is the biggest concern is that top line right now. Like, Dean basically smiled today when I asked him if he's been tempted of splitting up that line because, um, you know, it's just they've spent, uh, at least Kaprizov, 37% of his shifts in the offensive zone. That is not good enough. They, and this is a byproduct of them not getting out of their zone, not that just them, but the team not getting out of their zone cleanly and up the ice. But... Kaprizov um, has been turning pucks over, flubbing shots. It certainly doesn't help that that um, offensive zone draws. Ryan Hartman has lost 13 of 23, so you're not starting with the puck a ton. It's just been not great five-on-five five for that line. Yeah, they've been off without a doubt. They've turned way too many pucks over, and, and I think they've, they're starting to press. I think you saw it in the overtime the other night. They extended a shift, then turned the puck over, and then were yeah. exhausted and couldn't defend where when they're on their game, they make a change yeah. before that offensive rush ever happens and make sure yeah. they have fresh bodies on the ice. They tried to extend the shift thinking they could make a play to win the game, and then they had a couple uncharacteristic turnovers, and Hartman actually had one. He wasn't on the ice with those guys, but was tried to make a play along the wall in the overtime, and you just don't see the wild, at least you haven't, since Everson took over. They've been one of the best overtime teams in the league, 
because they protect yeah. the puck. And then that night they just didn't. They turned it over three or four times. How about Kalen Addison dumping the puck? It, it made no sense. <laughs> yeah. There was another one where he took a shot from the half wall. I think that was Addison, too, where yeah. it was. That's I was kind shot. of amazed at practice today. It wasn't a lot of three-on-three, three, but they had other stuff that they had to get done in practice, that's for sure. You mentioned Vinny Letary uh, coming up. Um, you know, not the greatest start. He's gotten points down in Iowa, but I think he's minus seven or eight. Um, but, you know, Walker just, he just, I don't know. He just, you didn't notice him. Um, both no, when he was when on the second line. When you're that guy, you have to be yeah. noticed. When you get a chance to come up from Iowa and you get put on a line with Erickson Eck and Boldy, mm -hmm. you have to be noticed, and he wasn't. Yeah, and that's, that's obviously, uh, and that was what he did so well last year. So it's, it didn't shock me that they had the quick trigger there and you get Letary up here and maybe add some speed to a team that just doesn't look very fast right now. Um, and then you have a game against a Connor McDavidless uh, Oilers game, Oilers team. We'll see if you can uh, perform there. And then the Wild go on the road to Philly and uh, Washington and uh, New Jersey. Um, you you know the the nanny clan forever. Um, you saw you, Vinny uh, play in high school. You saw him play for the Gophers. What can he bring to this team? Bring speed, and he's scored everywhere he's ever been except in the NHL. Yep. And but it doesn't help that he's usually probably. I would say. Probably 90% of his shifts on the fourth line yeah, when he's and, not a fourth and liner. Not major minutes and never yep. never for an extended period. Not where, power play right. time. And, and it isn't, but that's the same kind of role that a lot of these guys have to fill and they have mm -hmm. to create the chance for them. And he hasn't separated himself when he's had that chance. He's always been a great scorer in the American Hockey League. He's always been one of the leaders on his team. And we saw it a little bit in camp. He brings some speed and he has, he, he can shoot the puck. So, I, you know, let's see if the guy gets an opportunity and, and takes advantage of yeah. it. If he does, I could see him being a, a guy that ha brings some value to the wild lineup, but he has to produce. Yeah, and it did not shock me, as you mentioned, that, that he came up here and was plugged in next to Dewar and Drewham today just because Maroon did play really well the other night. That line was, in the, that line was the, a threat every single time they were on the yeah. ice. They combined for 15 shot attempts, I think seven or eight points. He had two points, Maroon. So obviously, you're not going to immediately make that change, it, but it's no. an easy switch to do in-game if you have to. If you have to. And I, I don't think long-term Maroon's a fit on that line, and obviously Boldy will take the spot when he comes back. But I was surprised that Maroon didn't slow the line down. Yeah. They played with pace. And if you would have said going in, we're going to throw this guy on that line, I would have guessed that would have been an issue, but it wasn't. I thought he was great. He won some battles along the boards. And that and, is what he brings. And But yeah. he made plays after. Yeah. He, he won the puck battle and then was able to make a couple plays. So the line certainly didn't miss a step with him there. I didn't think that fourth line was as good as Dean had talked about them being. In fact, there was one game, I think it was maybe, I'm trying to remember the, the games on the previous road trip kind of run together. Their numbers analytically were terrible Montreal? in Toronto. In Toronto, Toronto, I think they were like 4%. Yeah. And Duhame scored that game, too. Right. And, and they shorthanded. They've been, Dewar and Duhame have been good. But I didn't think the line was great. And Dean raved about them and used them a lot in Montreal, and they were better. So it wouldn't shock me at all to see Maroon start there, but at some point within a game, see a swap, just like we saw the other night where Walker bumped down and Maroon bumped up. I, I just don't think it'll be a – when you have a guy that 
that was signed to bring a little bit of punch. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to throw him on the fourth line and leave him there even if the, the lineup, higher in the lineup, is failing to produce. Yep. We have all these awesome shirts up here, so uh, make sure you come on up and ask a question. Again, you don't have to be invited. Um, we got November. our second trip coming up. And the, the yeah, first I'm excited. Trip was, the first trip was great to Montreal and Toronto. You Mont- made dinner reservations tonight? I had already made them. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry for the, for Wednesday. Right, it's imperative that you're on time this time, because we're always told whenever you whenever you send out a message and and give us a reservation, you always say don't, don't be, be effing late. Right. And and the last, last time in Toronto, we, you showed up 15 minutes late. Make, it cost me like 350 dollars that, that I didn't make you the being late because I bought night. like a bar tab at the most expensive restaurant in Toronto. Well, and this is all because you were late. Okay, so number one. That's you owe me three hundred fifty dollars. You've ever picked up number Please. two. It was I didn't make the reservation. I told you guys I can't get there till seven fifteen. I had a Zoom meeting I had to be a part of, and they made the reservation at seven. But so anybody said, else, if they showed up fifteen minutes late, you would have had a freaking conniption fit. Well, no. Yes. I, no. If I was, so, I'm just saying. I made, Wednesday be if, there on time. You don't even know what time the reservation Eight is. Eight o'clock. I made the reservation. By the already. way, last time that we went to this uh, restaurant, I wound up in the hospital. That was last year. You did, but and I was there first and right. sat there with the guy from Sicily, who was yeah. awesome, the bartender. Yeah, he gave me a bunch of places to go. Yep, and it was terrific. And then, yes, I found out the next morning that because I, Michael had a shot of espresso after dinner, no, he had I had like five americanos room. because you kept on ordering them. Which, and I'm by the way, so far my insurance company hasn't picked up this tab, so you're in for me on that one too. By the yeah. way, you um, could, wait, apparently it's frowned upon by. Insurance companies to, to wind up in the hospital to call when an you're over because you had a cup of coffee. Yeah, I literally got off the gurney at Thomas Jefferson Hospital and went to the morning skate. Yeah, and when they got there and yeah. said, "What's wrong?" Well, I had some coffee after dinner. I had five <laughs> coffees after dinner. So again, I three, had... you owe me three fifty for Toronto, and then you owe me right now. If depending on if yeah. Blue Cross is going to pick up this uh, hospital bill. You owe me so far maybe a couple I was grand at the there. same dinner. I didn't wind up in the hospital. I know, but you're the one that was ordering these double espresso Americanos at freaking 10 p.m. I was having wine. No. You should have seen, by the way, when I called that ambulance in, uh, yeah. in Philly. I believe it. Like, this you wouldn't it. even tell me the next day that you went to the hospital. I know. I was embarrassed. by accident. I know. Well, I had the little thingamajig on. <laughs> so, question? <laughs> well, first of all, I hate it when mommy and daddy fight. Yeah. yeah. Um... Don't you think he should pay me at least for part of this hospital? I don't ever see when you're ever in the wrong. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you should hang out with us once. You'll find out quickly how often he's in the wrong. Well, maybe I'll go on the trip next year. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to have an announcement soon for that one. I'm probably going to get roasted for this. Actually, I've got a couple comments. First of all, we've, we've talked about this before, but why is Evison so reluctant to ever make changes? And I'll give you a couple of recent examples. The other night... We were behind 4-2 to two against L.A. We still had a chance to win that game. He didn't, he didn't replace Flurry with Gustafson in between. Was that between the second and third? First uh, and first, second. First and second. You know, that could have got, if, if Flurry lets in another soft goal, we're done, right? Mm-hmm. And also, Flurry has the longest, one of the longest leashes on the team. You know, if you put another goaltender in Flurry's positions on, you know, when he plays well or when he's consistent or when he wins, 
you know, he gets. Well, let me let me just interrupt you there. This says this isn't a flurry thing. This is an Everson thing. He's he's he doesn't pull his goalie. I mean, he hung Kakinen up for seven once in St. Louis. He's done that with Gustafson seven in Toronto. I mean, this is just his his deal is that if you're the goalie, you're pretty much ending. For the flurry game, uh, you know, so it's not just a flurry longest leash. It's a Dean thing. That game in particular, I was surprised when I, I saw thought, him come out because yeah. he gave up three crummy goals and they only lost that game because of him. I right. mean, you know. I actually, I was surprised too, but the, and the other thing you can remember is he said from the beginning, and we're going to play the guy that's playing the best. Gus played great on opening night. He got the start game too. He gave up seven. Flurry comes in and plays the next game, plays great. What are you going to do? Go back to the guy that gave up seven the Absolutely night the time not. before? Absolutely so, right. not. So you go to Flurry and, and to Michael's point, he's always been hesitant to pull a goaltender within the game for whatever reason. And I, I don't know that at that point you've given up four, you're down by two. I just think he felt like let's let Fleury play his way out of this. But I think in the back of his mind, he at that moment is Gus is starting the next game. Yeah. I, I to, to your point, though, um, like it shocked me that he came back out because, well, it, it, because he gave up two crappy goals there in well, the final minute okay, of the period. You, you change? I mean, the first one... I still think shouldn't have counted. I think it was kicked in. But then to compound, that still needs to be stopped. And then to compound it, he's so frustrated that he then, that one, he gave up the goal, but two, he didn't get the, the call, that then he just shovels it down the boards because he's frustrated. And that turns out to be a bad goal. Yeah, and I thought right. the team fed off of that. Yeah. We talked a lot 100%. last year about how when Dean lost his mind sometimes on the bench, I thought the team got razzled, rattled because of it. I felt like the team got rattled when Fleury showed that he was rattled at that moment. And so I think maybe that was part of the second period was enough of that. We got to settle it. And, and Fleury played fine the rest of the way that night. I mean, he only gave up one more goal. So it's, it isn't like it was an avalanche of goals scored against Marc-Andre Fleury. Right, but that's after the fact. So if you change, let's say, let's say you go ahead change and the change to Gustafson at the end of the first. Now you have, I mean, you've covered hockey for a long, long yeah. time. When they change a goalie, isn't just to put a new goalie in that might do better. It's also to change kind mm -hmm. of the, give the team a fresh start. Isn't mm -hmm. there like a, a mental yeah. part to that I mean, game? that's definitely a thing. Okay. Um, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I was very, I, was, I had a tweet ready that he was pulled. I'm like, and then all of a sudden they come out, I'm like, delete. I mean, um, you know, he just, I was, I was surprised at it. Especially in that circumstance, like this wasn't a case of the team not playing well. This was a case of a, of a horrendous goaltending performance. I mean, they had just before those goals given up one shot in 13 minutes, and then you go down into the intermission, down four-two. Like to me, as a coach, it is your job to then say enough. You know, you got to spark the team, who at that point couldn't have been comfortable with the goalie. You know. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I thought he'd pull him that mm -hmm. night. I was surprised, but in hindsight. He probably made the right call because Fleury played pretty well the rest of the way. Right, but they missed that golden opportunity of getting a little kick in the rear yeah. end with him. Yeah. I see your point there. Okay, so... But, uh, but, to, to, but to, I will just, again, like, I don't think this is that Fleury's got a long leash. This is just a... This is Dean's M.O. This is just, for whatever reason, he... Um, and maybe you've talked to him more about this than me. He just has always been hesitant to pull goalies in games. I mean, you know, Kakinen... Didn't he have the guy had like a freaking like nine goals against average in St. Louis for a while? So, <laughs> well, the the second thing is okay. So Zuccarello got two goals uh, last. Well, win. one got overturned. Yeah, one right. Got okay. Overturned. So, 
was it right? Was it in the overtime where Zuccarello made a pass to Korea, to Kaprizov when he was what fifteen feet from the goal, kind of right off to the right of the goalie, a little mm-hmm. bit right of center. Mm-hmm. Why in the absolute hell would you do that? Yeah. Why? Well, would if, you do if that? he, I will say, if he connects, it's a slam dunk. But that's what they always do. And what to Anthony, what Anthony said earlier in the podcast, to me, the most egregious thing wasn't that. It was then they were clearly gassed at that point, and they didn't even consider going for a line change. And then what happens? Kaprizov gets pushed off the puck like it's nothing, and, and then they again stay on when they had a chance to go to the bench, or at least one of them. And then they're dead tired, and, and they're split for the winning goal. So, you know, they, they've, they've just, each of them has to play better. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I don't want to monopolize the time, but the last thing is this. They're the best passing team in the league because they get so much practice on the power play. Uh-huh. It's like you watch, you watch them, and they're just they. I don't know what it is if they're looking for the absolute perfect goal highlight, the yeah. highlight goal. But you would think after two years of this crap, of constantly pass, pass, mm-hmm. pass. You know, even it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it, it is it as simple as what we see it, or is it that? I it's, not? You, it's not. It's not. I, I actually have talked to, I bet, I'm going to say I've talked to 10 different wild players about this. The first one was Zach Parisi. And we were talking about the fact that, especially on the power play, he said, we get 19,000 people yelling, shoot, as soon as we get the puck on our stick. And he said, I'd like to bring them down there for one second and just take a snapshot of what I see between me and the goal when they're yelling shoot mm-hmm. is like seven legs, a stick, a shoulder, a helmet. He said, mm-hmm. I can't even see the net. And I got people yelling shoot. And it's those shooting lanes, are they disappear fast. The one thing I think the Wild this year have made a concerted effort to do, which I actually like, is they, they're trying to shoot quickly off of face-off wins mm-hmm. because rebounds create chaos. And so they're trying to get that first shot, and maybe you get something going before the penalty kill has a chance to get set up. Once the penalty kill is set up, teams in the NHL right now, and the Wild are right there with, with the best of them, they take away shooting lanes. to the, You have to move the puck side to side in order to create lanes. They're just not there. And so after we had, I had talked to Zach about it one time, and then I remember talking to Mikhail Granlund about it, and and because he's more of a pass guy anyway, and he said that he said even the pass lanes. So we went out on the ice with him one time, and and then we cut some video from games where we actually had a camera down low, like at ice level, just to see what these guys see. It's amazing how small the areas are that they have to try to throw the puck to get it through these guys. It's it's it is really unbelievable that they ever get a puck through when you look at it that way. Um. In fact, uh, it was either Sportsnet or TSN in Canada. I can't remember. They used, they have these cameras in the corner of the boards, and they had, they were using one in the. I saw it during the playoffs last year. They had a. It was to give the perspective of, like a passer from the corner. And when you look out, oh, it, yeah. it really makes it. It makes you appreciate just how skilled these guys are. That I looked at it and I was like, how. How the hell does he ever get a pass through there? Yeah. The, the windows are there, maybe two pucks wide that he's throwing pucks through. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. I mean, everything's slower, and and you see every alleged passing and shooting lane from the press box or on TV. But it's unbelievable when you're down at ice level. Um, but but I will say to your point, to me, 
Their biggest threat on the power play is not Kirill Kaprizov, it's Joel Eriksson-Eck. He had 12 goals last year. He has been off to a great start this year. I would love them to just put pucks there so he could just bang away. Because he's certainly willing to take the abuse. We see it all the time. It's unfair the number, as Anthony said on last week's podcast, it's, it's ridiculous the abuse he's got to absorb. But he's willing to do it, and he's always there. He's as good a net front guy as we have seen in this league this season. Uh, I would love them to just be simple, get it there, let him do the work. But I, sometimes it's like Kaprizov and Zuccarello, they want to paint a, you know, a Picasso out there, and it's, it becomes problematic. When it works, though, it's beautiful. And so far, they're, you know, the problem, too, is, and we've seen this between Zuccarello and Kaprizov, um, especially Zuccarello before, is that when Kaprizov's off to a tough start or just in a tough stretch, I think Matt feels like the responsibility to get him out of it, and that affects the team. And that's why if this continues, I think Dean is going to split them a little bit. One, to send him a message, but two, to get him going. Because the one time that he really did it two years ago, both of them caught absolute fire. And, uh, and then he, they put him together, and the team was back, was back, uh, back going on full, full, uh, you know, on, on full cylinders. Get ready for unbeatable home comfort. That's right, it's Aquarius Home Services' fresh fall blowout sale. Dive into their amazing 25% discount on a complete whole home heating and cooling system or a whole home Kinetico water treatment system. I have both in my house. Whether it's upgrading your old furnace and air conditioner or elevating your home's water quality, Aquarius is your answer. Whether your water is city-based or from a well, they have the solution. And if you've been toying with the idea of upgrading your heating and cooling system, well, don't wait. Grab this one-time offer before Minnesota's relentless winter hits, and you know that it is. Their high-efficiency furnaces bring not just premium comfort, but also financial benefits. Don't miss out on the chance for the ultimate home upgrade and substantial 25% off savings. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindell Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindell Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindell.com for a free, no-obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindell.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Yeah, the, um, 
the comments about Ericsson. I you won last of, week's wild tickets, right? I did. Yes, nice. Did you yes. go to the game yet? Uh, well, no, it's not till the end of November. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which game is it? Uh, right after Thanksgiving, it's Black Friday versus Colorado. Oh, nice. Yeah. Black Friday. It's always an interesting game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how. Yeah, how bring that some coffee. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that'll actually be the. Not too much I'll coffee, going though, because then you'll wind up in the hospital. All right, Anthony, go take a walk. <laughs> um, the Anthony, by the way, walked in at 6.59.30. If you're listening at home, we had a no, little over-under. I won it. <laughs> uh, the comments about Erickson, I kind of bring up a good transition to a question I was going to ask about um, penalties and how they've been affecting the team versus how they might not be affecting other teams. And what are some penalties that you think are... Um, maybe being called too often, so maybe they might be soft penalties, or what are some other ones that you think should be called more often that are not being called? Correctly? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if it's a trend this year, but Anthony, I always talk about how ins- how ridiculous it is that cross-checks are just allowed. and then Cross-checks call in front some, of the net yeah. drive me crazy. I don't know why they allow them. Yeah. Call it once early in a game, and you'd put a stop to it for the night. No. I just have never understood why they allow that to go. Uh, we've seen the instigator called already, which I like. That was they, and the coaches were told that was going to be a point of emphasis. If it was, especially if it was a guy that wasn't involved in the initial hit, if it was a third guy that that came and jumped in to start a fight, that they were going to call that. Um, otherwise, I you know I don't think I haven't had a problem with the penalties called this year really at all. I think they've they've done a good job with it. I think the yeah. penalties they've called have been penalties both ways for and against Minnesota, and in most games that I've watched, it's been that way. Though I, if, I, if it were me, the one thing I would love to see is I'd love to see a dive called without a penalty on the other guy. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Where <laughs> they just, you know, they'll call a trip and a dive. And I'm like, well, sometimes it could just be the dive. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd really put a stop to some of the diving if you did that. So th- that and the cross checks in front of the net are the two things. Now, we did see the... The offside challenge the other night that cost the Wild a goal where it's always been a gray area, and I think you need to define that more clearly. Is it, are you required to have your stick in contact with the puck to be considered in possession of the puck, or can you push it in front of yourself and as long as you maintain control? Johansson's argument was, I had the puck, I had carried it all the way from my own zone, I went over the blue line, and when you are carrying the puck through neutral ice, it's not like it's in contact with your stick the entire time. Mm -hmm. But I understand the argument the other way. We saw it work in the Wild's favor a couple of years ago when Miko Koivu pushed the puck across the line and took his stick off of it while he waited for a teammate to get onside and then regain. So if you're going to call that a good goal by saying he relinquished possession by pulling his stick back, then it's not possession. So I think they need to just make that more clear. That, that's my problem is the inconsistency. Like Connor McDavid last year had a play where he was ruled to have possession of the puck. Well, that he, was, where he was so much beyond. He it. was spinning backwards. Yeah, I mean, and, it was, ins- it was right. ridiculous. And Johansson is going by a defender, lifts the guy's stick and gets in there, and he's being punished for it. I was, I was surprised at that call. Um, you know, I, and, and it was, to Dean's point, a huge moment in the game because the Wild are up 4-3 right. and then they get a but, power but play But I think there. The, what made it confusing is that whether or not that constitutes possession mm-hmm. because he clearly didn't, wasn't in contact with the puck. So that's one I'd like to see cleaned up is just define what it is. You either have to have it on your stick or you have to be 
Maybe you make it where if you're the first guy that touched the, or the last guy that touched the puck outside the blue line and the first guy inside, that that could maintain possession. Something. I think they just need to clean that up so that it's not confusing. But otherwise, I think the officiating this year has been pretty good so far. Yeah, I, I concur. Um, you always ask the, uh, the, the really good questions. It was two or, two or three live shows ago, you were commenting after the pod that you, uh, you saved the show. I can't remember what it was, <laughs> if that was here at Elsie's. But appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah. You have another? I do, yes. Nice. Um, maybe not as good as one, but I wanted to – you guys kind of touched on it a little bit, but the maroon um, a trade or, or signing here, I think – I feel like really has made a, a big impact, especially when you compare it to his replacement from last year with Reeves. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't followed Toronto as much, but my understanding from subsequent tweets and that kind of stuff is that Reeves has not been having a great time this year, whereas Maroon, I feel like, has been having a much mm-hmm. bigger time. So do you guys uh, stand behind that in terms of, like, that was a good... Well, I definitely don't stand behind uh, good, you know, what people are saying as Twitter is as, as fact. <laughs> uh, I, well, I, I mean, I my mentions, for- my mentions this season have been absolutely unhinged. I cannot. Why do you keep looking at it's, I Luckily, I don't as much because TweetDeck's gone. But my God, I don't even know TweetDeck. Like is. Wild fans need to just like, like go to Colorado and find a dispensary for like a minute. <laughs> like honestly, like this isn't, is like isn't it legal hey, here now anyway. Yeah, all right. I guess it is technically here. So here. you don't have to go to Denver. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I, I am. Um, I don't I think thought, they have the real stuff here though, right? I have no idea. <laughs> I thought that when they signed Maroon, I had said right away I like Maroon better than Reeves. I was not a Ryan Reeves guy. I thought they overvalued what he brought. I know Billy really liked his some of what the swagger that he brought. And at the time of the Reeves deal last year, it was at a time where the team needed a, a jolt. But I felt like as the season progressed, they were taking a spot away from somebody more valuable in their lineup to play Reeves. Maroon's not that. I think Maroon's a better, more valuable hockey player than Reeves. We've already seen some of the Reeves clown show stuff this year. He's John with other guys and he spends more time talking about who's afraid of him and who should be afraid of him than than actually enforcing on the ice, which last year there were a couple key times where the Wild needed an enforcer on the ice, and he didn't step up in those spots. So I like Maroon a lot better. I think he brings a lot more to the table. Tell us about Reeves, a the guy, gallery. Maybe was more valuable four, five, six years ago when there, were, when there were more heavyweights in the league than there are right now. But Toronto needed somebody like that, so maybe he brings – different guys bring different value to different teams, but Maroon, yeah. I think, is more valuable for the Wild. Great quote, though, Reeves. Oh, my God, do I miss that. Um, yeah, he's a good quote. You have another? I have one last one. Yeah. Um, I know uh, The Athletic did a piece on analytics um, this last, uh, I think it was today, right? That guy. Yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Um, you did a piece on analytics? Yeah, I did. It was, it was, it was hard. hard to read this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dude, Who explained not- it to you? <laughs> The league <laughs> without giving too much away from that article but previewing a little bit where do you think and analytics can help the actual sport from a coach's perspective or yeah. gm's perspective or even from a fan's perspective in the future well i think i mean uh, to me the the analytics that are going to be coming out with the player and puck tracking is the stuff that i care about like like i i just think that corsi is such a flawed stat to demonstrate it's a proxy to demonstrate um possession based on shot attempts but as you know we talked about earlier like in Montreal the fourth line was on the ice for a ton of of offensive zone time 
but they didn't get a ton of shot attempts, so it didn't it it, it skewed. Where I'm, what I'm I can't wait for is, and they're working on the algorithms now, is to start actually getting puck on stick, puck possession, actual puck possession. With that, then will come entries and exits. That will be huge for a coach. Retrievals is another one. How fast you get out of the zone. Shot assists is another one. This is stuff that really it's hard when you're natural stat trick or some of these other sites to just scrub the play-by-play and figure that out. There's certain things that I can't wait to see. They're working on certain things because the problem with like stuff like you still there's an element of human that has to sit there and distinguish between so right now the player and puck tracking is actually technically keeping track of the shots, the block shots, and things like that. But then you have the off-ice officials, essentially the ones that are plotting it, making sure it's accurate, because there's certain things that they can't figure out, like the difference between what was a shot pass, a slap pass, and a slap shot, and things like that. So I, I'm really excited about the, the, what we've seen so far, but this is just the beginning. The stuff that the analytics community wants, which is the stuff that I was just talking about, that's not on nhl.com slash edge yet. But, you know, really fun stuff like, you know, knowing how long Karol Kaprizov has spent his shifts in the offensive zone, where these guys are getting shots, um, miles per hour on shots, uh, how much these guys are skating. The stuff that Anthony has been able to see for since 21-22 in his booth is now going to be accessible to not just the broadcasters, but public and for print journalists. And I think it's going to help us really tell more complete stories. Yeah, and so... Part of your question was how it would help the teams. The Wild study all that stuff already. They just do it by hand. So Matt Sells is their analytics guy. He's terrific. I've spent a lot of time with him talking about different ways that they study it. He's a valuable part of each day's game evaluation. So the, the Wild coaches will sit down, and then they will reach out to Matt Sells and, all right, did we miss anything last night that wasn't obvious? Was there anybody who analytically was better than we might have thought he was with the eye test. Combinations. How efficient were these two when they were together getting out of the zone or getting into the zone? So they study a lot of that stuff already, and most teams have analytic departments that do that. But there's a balance of the eye test. It's where I think baseball's gone off the deep end the other way, where it's almost exclusively analytics now, and there's, there's an eye test that, hey, tonight... I don't care what this guy's spin rate is or that guy's bat speed, whatever else. I can tell you that this guy's dealing right now, and I want to leave him on the mound. And I think Dean has a great balance of that. And then in terms of for the fans, I think it all depends on the fan. I personally don't like the video game look of all this information on the screen, yeah. the guys' names above their heads. and the. I like it when it pops up for a moment, like, hey, this guy's taking the face off. Here's his face off number. Maybe the two centers, but I, I hate. I saw ESPN the other night had a game where as soon as a power play started, they just put those names on the screen the entire time, and I don't like it. But you know, maybe it's a younger generation of fans that's used to looking at games like video games, and they see it and they want to know where all the guys are. So there's some of that. I was surprised to find out that they were using that exclusively for the in-game stuff. We found out about it because the scoreboard was so far off with what the actual shots on goal were in the game and found ourselves, wait a minute, a few minutes ago, the shots were 33 to 20. Now they're 27 to 23. I mean, what? somebody gained four and they lost six? I mean, how does that work? And it's because the guys upstairs have to verify what the stat tracking stuff is, is going to provide. So 
I think it's, it's good for the game if it's used the right way. And we're just we're learning along with it because I think anytime you use any of those statistics, I've always felt if you use a statistic that's not guys a 30 goal score, everybody knows what a 30 goal score is. Everybody knows what a 300 hitter is, what a 20 points per game average guy is, any of that stuff. But nobody knows when you say that, well, this guy's 72% on his zone entries. Well, what's normal? What's great? What's the yeah. best? What's the league average? So anytime you use that kind of stuff, I think you have to provide the context for yeah. what is normal. Which and is what I like about this new edge thing right. is that they give the percentiles and they what do. the league average is next to So you know, all right, yeah, all right, he's got eight bursts over 20 miles per hour. What's that really mean? Right. Well, How much does everybody else yeah. have? Yeah. And, but so for us on the broadcast, it's hard because you have to be able to put that into yeah. context to make sense of it for everybody yeah. else. Like and when you see Kaprizov in the offensive zone this year at 37.9, you know, right away, if I just saw that number, I'm like, well, I don't know how good or bad that is. But when you see that that's like 40th percentile in the league, that's a pretty much an emblematic of what the problem is of that line. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 it was actually fun writing that story. And, and to me, these are stats that I'm actually, I find fun. So it was probably easier for me to write it. Um, but you, you mentioned Corsi earlier that people forever, analytics are not new. People for 50 years in every sport have been trying to find a new way to measure to, and they're trying to do it to predict future performance. So for years, it was goals, assists, then you had plus minus, and well, there's a flaw with it, but at least it gave you some indication of, all right, well, this guy doesn't score much, but boy, the other team never scores when he's on the ice. And then they came up with Corsi, where it was, okay, this at least gives us an idea of what percentage of the time were they in the offensive zone. It's flawed, but it was better than what they had at the time. And I think that's the, the case now with each of these new analytic statistics that they come up with is, all right, well, this tells us a little bit more than mm -hmm. that told us. And Isn't it fascinating that in baseball right now, the ALCS is being managed by two dinosaurs in Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker? Right. Like, I mean, in, in, you have this sport that is just so over-the-top analytics, and you have two, like, 90-year-olds basically managing. And guys that I think have a great handle yeah. on analytics are, a, are yeah. a part of what they do, but it's also there's a way that the game's been played, and there's a reason why mm -hmm. it was played this way for 120 years. And the guys that play it the best win. Yep. Yes. Yes. New so, grandfather right here. That's right. So I'm new to the... You don't look like a grandfather. Well, <laughs> looks are deceiving. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm new to the podcast uh, scene here, so if this has been discussed um, in prior um, shows, I apologize. But Anthony talked about power play. They win the face-off. They get a shot chaos. Um, just kind of wondering, from, from my novice uh, perspective, seem like the Wild are lacking in their skill set when it comes to winning the draws. Um, and uh, is that an understatement? It's an understatement, right? Yeah. So my, Sorry. my question is correlation. Is this for this year or last year or the well, year before every, or the year before well, or the year before or the year before so, or the year before? So when the Wild are out of the playoffs, I'm watching the other teams and yeah, I mean, so I don't know, number one, what is the correlation between that? Is that overrated? Um, is a player either got it or they don't have it or they work on it? Is that something? All of the practice? above. Okay. The, some guys are just good face-off guys. Yep. And some guys can work at it. Some guys do. They get better. Some guys are just gifted. And the same guys end up, for what seems like it should be a relatively random occurrence, the great ones are great every year. They win 56 57% every year. And an even strength neutral zone face-off, maybe it doesn't really lead to 
winning or losing the game. The ability to win power play draws when you're in the offensive zone or penalty kill draws to get a clear is an immense part of the game. And the Wild, for they, they tried to publicly downplay it for a while, but I know that it was always bothering them and they knew the importance of it. They spent a lot of time on it this offseason trying to study it to get better at it. And it isn't just the centers. The other guys are a part of it too. But you have to win draws when you're on the power play. Mm-hmm. You start with the puck. It's the difference of 30 seconds. And sometimes it can be the first minute. We saw it the other night. The wild penalty kill won a faceoff. Columbus had three different attempts to try to gain the zone with possession where if they win that first draw and you start with the puck in the offensive zone, it's an entirely different story. So it's they are huge. And... I think the Wild still, they need that elite face-off guy at some point because in those game situations, it's, it's amazing how many times the one key draw has gone against them. Absolutely. Um, I love that your father-in-law is going to be wearing one of those T-shirts, so it's, it makes me happy. Um, yeah. Um, God, I lost my train of thought as you are talking. It was on that subject of face-offs. Um, but it is. It's. I think it's a. It's a significant issue that the Wild haven't addressed for a long, long time. Hopefully, guys at Rossi can could could add to that and 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 things like that. Um, Erickson X gotten better every year. We had an interesting stat the other night that in the history of the league, there have only been three guys who improved on faceoffs six years in a row. Sidney Crosby is going to be one, one right? No, no, it wasn't. It was. I can't remember who they were now, but it was in the history of the, the history league. Of the league. Well, wow. since I think it went back to 87 was when they started counting mm-hmm. face-off win percentage, but it was, there were only, th- there were only three, boy, I'll have to go back and look at it again to find out who they were, but Eric Sinek was the fourth wow. to improve six years in a row, and he's, he's, at least going into the Columbus game, he was over 50% mm-hmm. this year, which would be the first time. Face-offs are important. 50. There's a reason why Anthony traded for Jordan Stahl in the Donkey Hockey League last <laughs> night. Yeah. And hey, was, we have a big, yeah. it's a big... Hebrew scribes against the Burton Oh, really? Panthers We're going up against week. each other? Yep, this week. Did I change my lineup? I hope I, I did. No, I didn't change mine either, but. Oh, man. So. Um, big, it's a big matchup. We should have a side bet. What do you want the side bet to be? Um, we won't know you who pay, wins you, until Sunday. If, if I win this week, you have to pay my hospital bill from last year, from this year's trip in, well, uh, in I'm Philly. Not gonna, okay, then you have to pay my hospital bill for when I crashed on the ski slopes of Whistler. <laughs> Well, I'm sure insurance covered yours. Insurance is not covering mine. That's because mine. mine was a legit injury. No. Mine was a legit injury. Coffee. My heart was palpitating. Right. No, well, so the, the game will end on Sunday, so it's got to be yeah. the road trip that follows. All right. The next trip we're on, dinner for the whoever wins this head to okay. matchup. Okay. Um, or in Sweden, because I'm not on the New York, New York, Buffalo right, trip. Perfect. So First um, dinner in Sweden. Okay, first dinner. Uh, we're going to a place called Pelican. It's an authentic Swedish restaurant. That's where I'm taking you. Okay. You'll love it. Um, they've actually, uh, you'll love it, honestly. It's a, it's a fun, uh, fun, fun thing. You're willing, but maybe, uh, you're maybe willing to put like, at risk. You know what I did find out today is we have open enrollment, so I'm going to get to get maybe a better health insurance, uh, that one that will cover my uh, hospital stays so for over-caffeinated. You're on the line here, your restaurant choosing... Yes, because you yeah. you've been suspended before. I know, I know. You've we've had some bad meals by you too. I think. When was the last one? I don't know. Come I'm sure there one. has been. The, he so we were in Montreal, <sighs> and he tells me that he found this incredible Italian. It was place. incredible, and it 
I had eaten there about three years or now more than that now because it was Mike Greenlay. I'm going to say six years ago. And the only reason we stopped is we walked by and it looked like a mafioso place. It looked cool. It, it kind of looked like Mancini's. It is, actually. Yeah. I don't and think it, it looks like. I think it is. Well, the owner looked like he had to sit with his back to the wall. That's for sure. But it had the kind of the Mancini's like red and orange, velvety, mm-hmm. cheesy mafia stuff. And we, we sat down and ate. And our meal was so lousy. We loved the service, loved the place. It was so lousy, we ordered a pizza before we left because it just was. I had also buco that night. And it was they really good. cooked it to shoe leather. So he tells me, I found this place. It was incredible. The next time we go, and I said, Wait, that place? That's like the first place I've ever had Anthony to Anthony is order so snooty when it comes to restaurants. I um, am. I am. I admit that. Yeah. But By the way, I was, right, just I, at, uh, I was just at Starbucks at Forest Lake. And. Um, I was sitting next to the table as I was waiting for my drink, and they were doing an orientation for two people that were hired. It was quite the moment as they were, like, presented their smocks, their green, like, one that I would want, would like to. But I was listening to their orientation on how they, on the stuff you have to do at Starbucks, and I, like, I, I genuinely think I could do the job. Did they have, like, the what you do in an emergency if a guy has coffee and needs 911? I'm sure they have a like a like a little pull thing right. there. All right, I'm pretty the, positive that, and you know the other thing is that Starbucks has health insurance. So I found the names of the three guys who had improved six years in a row: Steven Stamkos, okay, Mike Fisher, and then Andre Nikolshin, who I don't remember. Nikolshin, I don't remember right. from 1999 to 2004. Okay, but Stamkos and Fisher were the other two. Well, I'm excited to stop in there tomorrow, actually. I'm going to go down and see Scott Dayton and check it out. I've got to replace a black suit for this upcoming season. I'm also anxious to check out their fall selection of ties. He told me there were some new ones coming in since the last time I was down there. And I also got to pick up a couple. I realized that on this trip that it's fall now. We're heading into winter. So layering is key. And they've got some great quarter zip sweaters and sweatshirts, whether dressy or casual options. So I'm excited to go down there, make a few additions to the wardrobe for the upcoming season. Now that we're back in the routine of being on the road, you got to have some different clothing items than what I've been dealing with all summer where it's just been golf shirts. So I'm excited to go down there, see Scott. In fact, I'm going to be down there tomorrow. So Scott, if you're listening, I'll see you tomorrow at some point at Twill at the gallery at the Edina Galleria. And that's awesome. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Get $250 when you switch to a Royal Credit Union checking account. When I go to Royal, I feel very connected there. See details and open your account by November 15th at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. How about this? We had another great stat the other night. We were, when we were getting ready to do the Columbus I'll go out on a limb and say Eric Snack's going to have a better career than Nicolshin. He probably will. So we had a, this just – I was thinking about statistics we had looked up. Johnny Gaudreau, his last year in Calgary was plus 64. Then last year in Columbus was minus 33. <laughs> so the swing of 97. <laughs> so we looked up what the all-time biggest – fall was from one year to the next had to be that that was that it was that by 14 the next highest was brian engblom who Engblom. went from a plus 78 to a minus five from one year to the next wow for which team to which team montreal to 82 to 83 montreal to wherever he was next probably but can you imagine going 90 dropping 97 on your plus minus from that's crazy that is that is uh beyond belief any other questions any other question? What do you expect from this upcoming? Uh, well, we got one more game on the homestand here uh, against the uh, against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah, I just I think that's it's they're in a tough spot. Even the Oilers without McDavid, th- 
this lineup is really taxed right now with the guys they're missing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they'll play well. I think they've usually, they usually respond well when uh, subpar effort is followed. So I, I'd expect they find a way to beat Edmonton. But the, the road trip isn't going to be easy. Philadelphia has played better this year than I think a lot of people expected. And Washington you know, is, isn't a great club, but New Jersey's one of the elite in the East. So I think it's going to be a challenging road trip as well. Question. Yeah, I just like, like your thoughts on uh, Kalen Addison's performance thus far. So I know that, so Rosie and I think Addison were both kind of given directives to get stronger. Um, and I think you see it in, in Rossi. But Addison, I know I saw that his body fat was down to 7%. And in the last game, it looks like he could probably use a little bit more body fat because when he got that penalty, he was just like chucked off to the side like he was nothing. And there just there doesn't seem to be any. Uh, he like plays. <laughs> yeah, he he plays smaller than he is. Yeah, well, I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't uh, like. I, he's not going to get bigger in terms of height and girth. So I get what you're saying, but I mean, his he what he tried to do is get way stronger this off season. His legs are like tree trunks, all that. So, he, but there's only so much you can do when you're a frame like that, and so. Um, you know, he's never going to be somebody that's going to be able to, you know, you know br- get that bruising puck battle in front of the net and win it and, and things like that. No, uh, what do you think of his game been, so far? I think his game's been just okay. Just okay. And, and I haven't seen a significant difference from what we saw last year. And I think he's at risk right now of holding his spot in the lineup. And the power play's been good. I don't think it's necessarily been because of him, where last year I felt like he made a major difference on the power play. So we'll see. I think he, he, I think he has to be better, or when all the defensemen are healthy, I'm not positive his spot in the lineup is secure. And that's just my guess. I haven't asked our coaches about that. But right now they don't have any extra defensemen anyway, so he's going to play. Yeah. I'll be interested. It'll be fun to see Damon Hunt if he gets a chance to be in the lineup and how good this guy is. He, he needs to keep, keep his head up, though. Uh, that, that play in Colorado was scary. Um, Dakota Mermis has been good. Yeah, uh, Dakota's been, been really good. Um, we haven't really talked about him, but he's got what four points now, uh, or three points now. Um, but goal and assist last game, assist before that. Randall McDaniel went down and talked to him and his wife. Uh, uh, so his wife is Dakota's dad's sister, and uh, so I went down and saw aunt and uncle and his and and their great aunt uh, who lives with them. And Randall was uh, it was just fun because when Dakota was a kid. He used to go to all Randall's games, and now Randall's on the guest list to come to his, you know, just a full circle thing. Yeah, which is a great story. Yeah. But I just think his game's been good, beyond the point. He's such a cool, down-to-earth guy, too. Yeah, and he's just, I think his game has been calm, not, nothing mm-hmm. flashy, but it's, he's been, I think he's been, he's been good. And I think it's kind of cool when you see guys like that get opportunities. Granted, it was just through injury. It's not like he, he took a spot from somebody, but when you get those chances, make the most of them. Yep. Uh, last question of the show, Papa Jensen. Uh, what's it like being a dad now? Oh, man. Uh, I, it's not really a reality yet. It just seems like I'm floating through every day. Yeah. So Jake <laughs> yeah. used to be our uh, athletic athletic uh, analyst, uh, like analytics writer, so he had to be the most shocked today to see me with a byline on an analytics story. Yeah, I so. can't. I haven't had time to see that you came out with it. So yeah. <laughs> um, but so my question here, my wife over there, she, um, as many of the hockey women like to say, 
Uh, they like to pay attention to the coaches and the referees and all that while they're watching <laughs> with their husband so graciously. And um, she's noticed that Dean's hair's gotten a little bit longer this year. Yeah. <laughs> so it, Dean, Dean claims that he doesn't listen to the show, so he, he won't know, but yeah. um, he, it is longer. And <laughs> I was giving him grief one night because I've said before I get the chance to play golf with he and some of his, he's got a group that plays golf. And one of the guys has, he's a long-haired guy. And so I was texting the guy one night, I said, it was Dean trying to grow his hair out like you. And he said, hey, if you could ask him that in the post game, it would be the greatest thing ever. So we were in, <laughs> we were in Chicago for the last preseason game. And I said, hey, there's people out there that are wondering, we, they, he calls this guy the cat. And I said, we're just wondering if you're trying to look more like the cat. And Dean looked at me like, what the hell kind of question is that? And I said, well, your hair. I was just wondering if you're trying to. So he gets done with the thing, and he said, did he text you and ask you to ask that question? Because he said, my wife right away said, well, you're just trying to look more like Mike. Because his name's Mike. And, and so that's been kind of a running joke. I, I don't, he, he never really did elaborate on why he's growing it out, but it is longer. Yeah, I'm just curious, too, because you go back and look, and he's got some great heads of, you know, some hair on yeah, him when from he was, back in the when day. Yeah, when he was yeah. a player, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he had so. the neck guard I'll, I'll try to get to the bottom more of why he was trying to do it. It was He came back at the end of the summer, and it was different, because earlier in the summer it was still the normal tight yeah. cut, and when he came back it was, I thought maybe he was just overdue for a trip to the barber, but he's clearly decided to go with it. Well, yeah. the wives of all the husbands will really appreciate yeah, it. I'll, so. I'll tell him that, too, because he's, he's gotten some grief about it. I know that. I can't believe how calm Hayden's been during this whole podcast. Yeah. Of course, Anthony puts a lot of people to sleep, so there we go. I actually had a... I, I went to our, one of our favorite spots the other night and had dinner at Baltimore, and this woman who was sitting next to me turned at one point during the dinner and said, I just, I feel so at home just listening. Over. I said, I'm not trying to eavesdrop, but I just love listening to your voice with your conversation. And then her follow-up was, oh, no, her follow-up was, her follow-up was that it puts me to sleep every night. I said, well, that's not necessarily a compliment during a hockey game, but so. My favorite Snapchats from Margo are like the ones where she'll like film the dogs sleeping during the game with just your voice in the background. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, it's, it's the best port. Look at that, an hour on the dot. We are, we are ending this podcast uh, 59 minutes and 28 seconds after Anthony walked in. Look at that. Perfect. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> I got paid by the hour. Yeah. I'd be efficient. Yeah. Uh, again, November 1st at 7 p.m. at Tuttle's is our next live show. Thanks to Tuttle's for always having us out for these live shows. Thanks to Grain Pelt as well. Let's, uh, watch our social media at Russo Hockey, Talk North, and Anthony LaPanta, and you can see what our next Grain Belt special is going to be for Tuttles. Um, right today we have the $12.99 cheeseburger fries and a pint of Nordeast. Maybe it'll be the same. Maybe it'll be uh, two-for-ones or buy-one-get-ones. One or the other. <laughs> one or the other. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining us on our on-location Aquarius Home Services studio, who, by the way, Aquarius Home Services was at my place today doing their uh, winter tune-up. Uh, Mike Kreider. Uh, hopefully, it's okay to say his name. Uh, the greatest technician ever. He's I just stopped in to see one of our other guys. I stopped in at Twill the other day to buy nice. a black suit that's yeah. coming with me on the road. Yeah, that's awesome. Can't wait to watch that on TV. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for joining I us. Uh, and again, uh, thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, uh, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, uh, Bowen Lodge on Lake Winnebagashish. Good. 
uh, Aquarius Home Services, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Twill in the Adina Galleria, Royal Credit Union, as I mentioned. Uh, Grain Bell, thanks everybody for coming out on this Monday night with the Vikings winning against the uh, Niners. We'll talk to you on November 1st, everybody. Thank you. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. All oh, but the world.